You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. Happy Monday, everybody. I am excited to have you all with me today, and I'm very excited for this next guest I have, Tanner Godfrey. Tanner, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You are a very prominent name. For anybody that doesn't know, Tanner Godfrey is part of the Godfrey family. If you haven't heard of the Nitro Circus, Travis Pastrana, that whole thing. Um, Tanner does hold the world record for the longest UTV jump at 247 feet. If I'm, yep. if I'm correct, I think I, yep. I think I got that correct. <laughs> um, 247 feet in the air, a UTV, that's incredible. And you did it in 2019, I believe it was with, you know, and you were essentially paralyzed at the time. So yeah, yes. kind of the same, yeah, same boat I'm in right yeah, now. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's an incredible story. Um, and I'm excited to get into get into that because you've had a wild ride, literally, yeah. of, of what you guys have been able to do. But it's been fun, man. I mean, growing up watching everybody on Nitro Circus and that whole thing, I mean, it just looks like you guys had so much fun. So I'm excited to get into that, kind of how all that came about and how action sports and motorcycles and dirt biking and everything kind of came into your life. So, you know, as far back as you want to get started, I'd love to love to get into your story and hear this amazing, you know, mindset that you had and getting through everything you did. Yeah, so... It kind of all starts back when I was little. I played all the sports that you could, wrestling, football, basketball, baseball, race pedal bikes, and motorcycles. And motorcycles always had my kind of heart. Like, I loved all the other sports, but motorcycles, like, everything was to train me to get in shape for riding. And so when I got into high school, I wrestled and played football and lifted. And I graduated in 2007. And... Um, we would go down to Mesquite, Nevada for a, de- for a motocross race that they had for Thanksgiving. And we were there on Thanksgiving Day, and my dad was going up this hill. He crashed, and he compressed fractured his T6, 7, and 8. Wow. And so basically straight behind your sternum is where those vertebrae are located. And so he comes back to the trailer. My grandpa takes him to the hospital, and he comes back in a turtle shell, like can't move his chest and everything yep and so we're sitting there watching tv that night and i see something on um this guy that he got diagnosed with something ended up in a wheelchair and like i saw the wheelchair and it just like hit me like that was going to be me i was going to be in a wheelchair and it wasn't like a scary feeling it was more of a just it just kind of like warm water falling over it's like well this is kind of weird right and then 24 hours later i was racing and same spot on the track going up this hill my back tire kicked out and then my front tire hit a hole and I went flying over the bars at about 50 ish Wow! and dove into the ground and it took all the pressure from my neck or all the pressure and it exploded my T6 vertebrae burst fracture and dislocated T7 and broke eight ribs. Wow. And I just laid there and my body felt like pins and needles kind of when your arm falls asleep and it's kind of coming back and it's tingling like my entire body felt like that. Really? And so I knew immediately that I'd broken my back and I was on my left side looking down the hill and I tried to roll over and it just felt like it just, (laughs) all I could do is cuss. Like that's the only words that I could come out. And so I, they got, came down and got me on a stretcher and took me up to the ambulance at the top of the hill. 
And when I got in the ambulance, my le- right leg went numb and I couldn't move it. And I was like, my leg's numb. I can't move. And they're like, oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. They rushed me to the hospital and put me on another backboard to get x-rays. And to do that, they had to cut all my clothes off. And the doctor goes to cut my pants off. I'm like, don't cut these pants. These are good pants. Like <laughs> These are my good riding pants. And he kind of chewed me out. And so they ended up cutting them off. And I get the x-rays and it confirmed that I'd broken my back. And so like, we're either going to send you to Salt Lake City or vegas and i'm like well from salt lake so let's go up to the u so i got life lighted up to the u um they rushed me into the er and i sat in there for a second then someone else came in for another emergency and they're like we're going to surgery right now and that's the last thing i remember and then i woke up the next morning and i was almost hallucinating i had a like a dream that i woke up and i'm laying there in the bed and i've got another bed next to me And then I look out the door and there's this brick wall. And I was like, what the heck? But then I actually woke up and the door was in front of me and there I was the only bed in the room and machines are just beeping. And like, I go to just like fill my legs and I can't feel anything. Like I was paralyzed from the chest down. Wow. And so, um, yeah, it kind of like it, it happened so fast that it didn't really set in until about two weeks in when I had to order my first wheelchair, like order an actual wheelchair, because I just had a loaner that they would let me use at first. Right. And once that happened, I was like, I got the measurements and everything, and I went back to my room and just started crying just because I was like, holy cow, like this is this is real. Yeah, and you're young. I mean, you're... Yeah, what, I was 18 years I mean, old. That's... I mean, and you've been riding for pretty much your whole life. I mean, yeah. long time. And- yeah, yeah. So I grew up riding and doing all that stuff, and... um the sports thing, like what I was saying, is it, it almost bred me for this moment because uh, football is football is tough, but it's not that hard. Wrestling, though, wrestling builds your mindset in a way that you get this mental toughness that you can do anything in a sense just because right. it's you versus the other person, and if you lose, it's your own fault. And like that's how this injury became is it's me versus injury. And it's like, I can either go as far as I want or not go at all. Because if I work at it, I could get stuff back. There's no promises because spinal cords are so unique in the fact that there was three other guys that broke their back the same time as me just throughout the year of riding same, same level though. And one of them got a little bit back and then the other two didn't have anything. Really? Yeah. So it's just like, there's no rhyme or reason for some people to get stuff back, but me i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna let it stop me and the doctor told me i'd live a good life in a wheelchair and i was just like to hell with you i'm gonna right i'm gonna get back it's that i mean that determination and the crazy i mean a, a crazy part about this is your dad had a broken back at the same time yeah so he but he was just structural luckily so it was just bones right and so i like to say i beat him and i went all the way with it <laughs> but when i broke mine with it exploding the front of the vertebrae and then dislocating normally if it wouldn't have blown up and it would have just dislocated it would have cut my cord or stretched it so where it blew up the front of it it gave it a pathway for it to go when right. it did and so for that sake it actually was a good thing right and they went in and they put two eight inch rods down the sides of my spine and then 10 screws and um they left the broken piece in there because they were just like it's going to take too much hardware to try to rebuild this so they straightened me up as much as they could and then um 
sewed me up and called it good. Wow. When you hear of, when you hear of a broken back, I mean, everybody kind of just assumes the worst. I mean, I, yeah. I will never forget when I was in, gosh, I think I was in eighth grade when I was younger. My brother had just graduated high school and he got in a really bad car accident and broke his back, ruptured his spleen, was in ICU for, I think he's in the hospital for 10 days and in a lot of internal bleeding, a lot of blood, a lot of bags of blood just, but I never remember or never forget the moment my mom said, Hey, like your brother was in an accident. He broke his back and ruptured his spleen. I mean, I, you automatically just assume yeah. the worst and like, thank God he was just a turtle shell. Yeah. Just like your, your dad was, <laughs> um, for a long time. I mean, he had to walk with a walker for like six months, maybe longer had that turtle shell forever, which ended yeah. up being awesome because I actually used that turtle shell in like a paintball war one time. And, I, and people didn't know that I had it on. I just had a jacket and that thing on Dude, I was getting hit and didn't even care about it. Cause Ouch. it was just, it was, it was awesome. So thank you to my brother, Jake for that. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're sitting there and you, like, you realize, you know, you're in, you know, Vegas, I think you went to Mesquite, right? You went to Mesquite and they say, Hey, you broke your back. I mean, what was really going through your mind? Was it like, Oh, like I'm probably, you know, this is really, really bad or Hey, like I'm going to I'm gonna be all right. Or like, what, like go like that moment of where you were told like, Hey, you broke your back. We're going to fly you to wherever. It still wasn't real. I mean, I've been hurt a lot just from that's kind of the, what happens when you ride motorcycles. It's not when you get hurt or not if you get hurt, it's when you get hurt. Right. And so I didn't think much of it, honestly. Like it wasn't like, Oh no. Like Cause even with them saying I broke my back, like I could still move my legs. And so it didn't, it didn't, um, phase me that much. Honestly, it was just like, Oh, this isn't just another broken bone. But I knew that it was bad for the fact that they were going to fly me up and do surgery and that my leg had already gone numb. And then when I was in the x-ray machine, it came back and I could start to move it again. And then they threw me on the other backboard to get into the plane to fly up here. And so like that didn't even phase me much just because it was in kind of part of the writing thing right but once i got into the hospital even for the first i was in icu for three days and i had so many people coming and visiting me that i was basically busy from as soon as i woke up to about like so eight o'clock to eight o'clock i had two people in the room at all times just circulating like right so I was very fortunate in that sense because it kept my mind from going down these dark paths, right? which is inevitable with these types of injuries or, I mean, life in general. The more time you have to sit there and think, the more the demons come out and the more you get to dance with them. For sure. No, that is, that is true. And a lot of people do. It's funny how people, or in, it's funny, it's interesting how people cope with, I guess, trauma, you can yeah. say. You know, be a lot of people, some people like to be alone, but then I'm always like, but do you really? Yeah. Or is it just you're trying to hide away from some things? And you now me, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'd be in a similar boat. I wouldn't want to be alone. I'd want to be with my family. Yeah. I'd, want, I'd want to know that almost like, hey, tell me everything's going to be okay, please. Like, tell me everything, because <laughs> my mind's racing. Life, you know, my future life, you know, what I have always envisioned it being is obviously going to change. Like, be, you know, be with me. And it's just, it's interesting that, you know, you almost, you know, kind of found more peace with people yeah, and, and family in that. And like one, one of our neighbors told my mom, he was like, he's like, I came in here to kind of pick Tanner up and he picked me up. Like he picked my spirits up. And like that's one thing that I've, I've always been very fortunate to have is a good attitude about it. Cause, um, I wasn't going to fall into the victim attitude I've seen throughout this process. So that was 15 years ago this fall. 
Wow. And in these 15 years, I've seen so many people throughout either, either like broken backs or broken necks or things where it wasn't even that detrimental, yet to them it's the most devastating thing. And it's like if your mindset's right, then you're able to live life on a whole different plane than you could if you play the victim. Because once you're the victim, then you're always in a state of poor me, poor me. And I know how... T- I don't like being around people like that because right. it just sucks the energy. And so I made it a goal from the beginning that I would always just have a good attitude because nobody wants to be around somebody that's that's got a bad attitude. Right. And for me, my coping mechanism was it it's just have the good attitude and then just kind of humor. Like I'm always the person that's like I always make fun of myself, especially if people are new and like they aren't really sure like how to talk just because I am different. Like I walk different. And so people right. don't like, cause some people get offended. Like what happened to you? It's like, Oh, why are you asking about me? And so people get offended, but hers like, no, people are just curious. Like right. it's just like little kids. I love little kids. Cause they are the most honest people there are. They'll come up to me like, what happened to your legs? And I'll just be like, I didn't listen to my mom. And <laughs> my mom's like, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, and I think that there's a, a lot of valuable lessons in that, that, like making light of situations and not like sometimes you just can't take life so seriously. And uh-huh. they're, they're situ- like if something like, you know, it's kind of funny cause like my wife's pregnant right now and I always joke with people like, Oh, when are you do like, w- she's not pregnant. <laughs> and then people like stare at me and I'm like, I'm just kidding guys. Like obviously she's pregnant, yeah. but there is that awkward phase, right? Of like, are you pregnant? Are you not pregnant? Yeah. Like what's going on here? And my wife, like we, we were just down in Mexico and she was like, I'm so glad that I actually look pregnant because yeah. now it's not weird for people to be like, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, but I, but I would, you know, I, I, I like that, you know, about you that you're like, Hey, you know, kind of making a joke about, it. cause it is what it is. Your circumstances, your yeah. circumstances, right. But it's how you make light of it and, or, or how you make of it that you can kind of find some, some kind of peace and joy in almost making other people laugh or other people yeah. feel like almost making them feel awkward. Cause I, I personally love awkward situations yeah. and I think that's, that's awesome. But some people just can't get so tied up, but you're, you're right. Like you ask some people like, Hey, like what happened? Like, yeah, what do you mean? Like, um, obviously, like, there's something yeah. wrong. Like, you're in, like, in a wheelchair. Or, like, you, you don't have, like, missing an arm. It's like, hey, yeah. I'm just like, curious. Like, what? what's your story? And maybe you got to worry a different, like, hey, what's your story or what happened? Yeah. Um, but people get so offended these days. I feel like that's just the world right yeah, now. It's, but. it's how society is, is. And unfortunately, we've given victimhood more of a platform than we have people who are overcoming or just going through life like the bigger victim you are the more attention you get these days right and it's like we're so bass backwards on how that should be and so like i i just i just have a lot of fun with life and like even by this happening to me even at the beginning i was so fortunate that i still had my hands because how i dove into the ground um the doctor said that i should have broke my neck and died just because it was a diving accident but from wrestling and football and lifting, my neck was very thick. And so that protected me from breaking it, which took it to the next weakest point, which was that T6 behind the sternum. And I mean, fortunately for that, I'm fused from T3 to T10. So I mean, four inches up, four inches down. And basically all your thoracics do is twist. And so I still have full mobility bending over and like, I just can't twist backwards very well, but I can still twist. But like, so I broke it in one of the best places I feel I could have for the situation. Right. So it's like when it went bad, it still went good. Like I was still fortunate in that. And, and being able 
just uh, still have my hands. Like I've got so many friends that have broken their necks and they can't even use their hands or they've got like even being able to use their shoulders. Like when you have bad things happen, then you really start to appreciate all the good. And unfortunately we wait until bad things happen before we will appreciate what we do have. Like right. we live in a way that you, you're always striving for this next best thing that you don't enjoy what you have at the moment. Right. And so for me, I've always made it a point just to, just to enjoy life. Cause you never know when your time's going to come. Like I've crashed, I crashed so many times, so much worse that I should have had something broken and something happen. It's just like when it's your time, it's your time. Right. And so no matter what you do, you can't stop what's going to happen, but you can live life to the fullest before that happens. And even if something does happen for my, with my situation, I didn't let it stop me. I still do everything. Like I, I got home from the hospital. Um, I was in the hospital for 20 days. So I went in the 25th of November and then I got out the 20 or a little over a month. I got out the 28th of December. So right before new year's, but I got to come home for Christmas. Nice. So just being able to get out of the hospital was awesome because that place is no fun. Right. Right. <laughs> but it's necessary. And so when I got home, I want, I, I got so mad at my feet. I'm like, if you're not going to work, you're going to freeze. So I stuck my feet in the snow out in the wheelchair. I just went out there and I was like, you're going to feel it. But I couldn't feel like I could tell there was something, but I couldn't feel temperature. I couldn't feel a touch. Really? Like, yeah. And so it was a very, it's a very odd feeling, especially like you don't realize how much you use your core until you can't use it at all. Right. And so the first day of therapy, um, they sat me up in my bed and it was one of the automatic beds that sits you up. Yep. And uh, the therapist comes in, he's got a safety pin and he's pushing this round, the round side and then the sharp side. And so he's like, can you feel this? Can you feel this? Like tell the difference. And so he pokes me with the sharp side and I see him do it. And I'm like, ow. And he jumps back and I'm like, I'm just kidding. I can't feel that. <laughs> but it's just like, like I, I've always joked throughout it. And it's just like, I've learned a lot from this process that I, I want to show people how strong you can be. It's like, you've always got a choice. Like one thing that I've always, I'm, I've been trying to show people is you've always got a choice. And you've always got a choice of how you react to something. Right. It's like, it was uh, Victor Frankl. He was in the concentration camp and he said, you can't, I mean, I'm going to screw it up, but basically you can't control your circumstances, but you can control how you react to them. Right. hundred percent. And so that's one thing that I've always taken is if you don't like where you are, then change your perception. Right. It's like, yeah, I can't do this, but. I now get front row parking because I got a handicap pass. So right, yeah. true. Got, first one on the plane. Yeah. There's a lot of front row. Yeah, there is a lot. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, just changing your perception on something. So going back to when you were in the hospital and then you decided to make that decision to make, you know, be positive and like you weren't going to let this stop you was, was your, did you have any, like, was your mom and dad telling you that? Or was that just a natural thing in you that I was like, I'm because, you know, I'm sure you know, you're, you know, knowing your family, I mean, you were all kind of, you know, bred to win. <laughs> so having that like grit inside of you, I feel, you know, from probably an early age, do you think that was it from just years of going through things? Or was it like, did you have someone saying, Hey, like you can get through this, you can get through this, you can get through this. Oh, I mean, everybody was very supportive, but I didn't question myself. Like I knew that I, 
I would be able to get back whatever. And it, I mean, I was going to bust my butt to make it happen. Right. And whether it did or not, like I wasn't going to leave it up to chance. And everyone's like, why don't you go try stem cells? Why don't you do this? It's like, there's stuff that, that is in the works that, I mean, there's, they're going to find something that's going to better the situation. But if you sit there and wait for something to happen, then you could miss it completely because by me going to the gym and going to therapy, I was putting myself in a place that I could continually get better. And then if something does come along, then I was that much further ahead that maybe it would really catch and like something would take and I'd really be able to move better. So right. like I always took it that I could do it. And if it was going to be, then it was going to be up to me. Like right. I wasn't going to put it onto anybody else's shoulders because that's just not how I've been. Kind of goes back to wrestling. Like it was, it's you versus that other person, and whoever trained harder and whoever has more grit is the person that's going to win. I love that, man. It, you just pretty much said it, it, what a saying I say all the time on the show is, "If it is to be, it's up to me." Yeah. My mom always said that to us and said, "Hey, if it is to be, it's up to me. It's up to you to make the decision to to do that." And I love that because most people, like you, you can take someone from the same exact circumstances, same same broken back, same circumstances. And you can have completely different outcomes. And the common denominator is the individual, right? Like it's yeah. just that it's that mindset. It's it's the decision, right? Like you can make you made the decision to be the best you could possibly be still yeah. and keep pushing, keep going and and never stop. Or you can make the decision of, okay, well, I'm just not gonna care anymore. I'm just gonna like basically throw my life away and I'm just gonna exist and be that negative guy. And I I mean, I, I, when I talk to a lot of people, it's, you know, those are excuses or this happened to me, that happened to me. And I'm like, a lot of people can use those, have the same exact reasons of, you know, of why they have to do it and why they won't to do it, but they're the same reasons. They yeah. just use them as the why and the won't. And I love that, that you've completely overcome, you know, that mindset. Cause I'd have to think that being in the position, waking up, you know, in the hospital or like going to the hospital and learning, you know, you broke your back in Vegas. Mm -hmm. It's serious enough. They fly to you, you know, fly you up to Utah. You come out of surgery you're in the hospital for a long time. Hits you that you're ordering a wheelchair. Your mind has to be like getting like, it's got a lot of demon, like fighting yeah. itself. Right. And so I, I feel like that's almost the first thing you got to work on when you come out of a situation like this is your mind. Yeah. And the, the funny thing about it is that I was on antidepressants and anxiety medication before I broke my back. And then after I broke my back, I took myself off of that medication and then the medication that they had me on, like like something switched or, I don't know, something happened to where I didn't need anything anymore. And like a big thing that I strive for right now is I don't want to have to rely on anything other than myself. Right. And so, like I said, I don't know if something might have just tripped in my head or what, but something came loose. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't need any medication anymore, and and I think that uh, I think uh, people would be surprised at what they can do if they just put their head down and went to work. For sure. So, what what are some things that you did? You know, following. I mean, it's been fifteen years, almost fifteen years. Yeah. Um, what are some of the biggest things that you feel like? that made just strides for you mentally and physically to be able to push through and overcome, you know, on, on the years preceding. Cause you know, you're, it's, you know, you got a lot, it's, there's a, a period where you're getting used to everything. Yeah. And then, then there's a period of like, this is going to be my life forever. Yeah. And, and I knew that, that the wheelchair would be temporary. I knew that I would be able to get out of it. I didn't know when, but I knew that 
Were, were the doctors telling you you could? Or? No, the doctor said I looked was it, good. So, like so was it, it was your yeah, so yourself it was, yeah. telling you that. And okay. I'm very stubborn and hard-headed, and usually when they tell me I can't do something, then I get uh, stubborn and hard-headed and go the other way. Right. Which is a bad thing in some ways and a very good thing in a lot of ways. And this situation was a very good thing. And so I, I wasn't going to take no, and I wasn't going to let it stop me. Um, once I got home... There was a lot of stuff that I couldn't do, like even going up the stairs. Like my, we had our garage and all of the neighborhood and family friends and even strangers came and pitched in. And within three weeks, they transformed our garage into a room for me with a ramp outside so that I could really? have somewhere. And it had a shower and a bathroom, like all wheelchair accessible. Wow. Which was awesome. And that made life so much easier because you don't realize what you can't do until you can't do it. And so right. even even reaching up into the cupboard to grab a bolt, I wasn't able to do because I couldn't I couldn't even push myself up out of the wheelchair to grab the bowl. So everything had to be moved down lower so that I could actually grab the stuff. And so it's just stuff you didn't think about. Right. And so now that I was in this new situation, I wasn't gonna let it stop me from doing the things I wanted. Now I just had to figure out a new way to do things. Right. And so um one day, it was like two months in, I wanted to go get a Frosty at Wendy's. And I didn't have a car that I could drive, but I had my buddy there, and we got in the excursion, and he kind of helped lift me in, and I pulled myself up. Between us, we got I got in the driver's seat, and we took my shower curtain rod, and I used that for the gas and the brake. And we went and got a Frosty, and then we went and drove around just to get out because I basically a prisoner sitting there in the wheelchair, so I was like, this is freedom. Right. And so we stayed out into the dark and so it started getting dark <laughs> as we we're coming home so i had him shine a flashlight on the pedals so i could see which one i was hitting but my mom comes out and she sees the wheelchair sitting there and she's like where the hell did he go that's funny and, yeah like i just figured out ways to do things i mean i mean you have to i mean there's really no it's life there's really no other i mean Okay, we can argue there are other options, but in like your mindset, like yeah. you know, the, where you want to go and how you want to take your life and the life that you really want to live, there's no other option. Like you have to get through these things, and it's it's you know now you can look back and, and laugh on it. And I was a little bit a little bit crazy. I don't I don't think that I could drive with a curtain rod right now, like regularly. Um, <laughs> I feel like that'd be pretty hard. But it's just you just do stuff, and like it's crazy yeah. how and, and it's also amazing how the body adapts to yeah. things. I mean, especially with you know things we're used to and they now now new things and just the body adapts and how everything again like, in your mind just adapts and and then it's like you're just rolling and oh, yeah. we you know like i guess people who you know, maybe aren't in this situation would think it's like that's got to be the biggest deal when i've met a lot of people who are in wheelchairs or something they have something wrong they're like i don't even think think twice of it like i just like yeah, roll just to, roll over here hop in the driver's seat my wheelchair folds up super quick throw it in the back or whatever happens yeah. and then i'm driving with the hand controls and mob and non and then i like yeah i'm like like in my mind i'm like i can't even <laughs> grasp like that and like you know i was talking with this one guy he's like i just totally think it's normal like there's just nothing like it's just it's completely normal and i'm like but it's, he's like look dude it's 30 extra seconds to get in the car he's like don't like you know but i'm like <laughs> okay like you know now there's something but it's uh it's just interesting how how like amazing our bodies are and when you have that mindset what you can get through yeah. and the things that you know, you know, can lead up to that. Oh yeah. It's, I think people underestimate what they're capable of and it takes a situation that's hard for you to truly realize what you can do. I mean, it's no different than 
I mean, I'm lucky in the sense that my situation is physical and people can see, like even when I stand up, if I don't have my canes and I'm just sitting here, people can't tell that anything's wrong because my legs are still, they aren't scrawny like most paralyzed people, but they aren't, they aren't, they look normal. Right. And so for me, I've, I guess throughout the process, I've learned a lot to be able to overcome these things and people would be surprised at what you can do. But when these situations hit you and you have the choice of either kind of quit or push through and see where you go. And like, I've, this just continually gets me into that. Well, I'll keep going. Right. Well, and I still have days where I want to quit. Like even like with the, going back to like the depression thing, I still have my down days to where I'm just like, this just sucks because right now where, how I move, I move so slow when I walk that a wheelchair is so much faster, but in my mind, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in the wheelchair because it kind of feels like I quit if I go into it. Right. But it makes life better. And so I lived years without really getting in my wheelchair because I just felt bad. But this past year I had my buddy Aaron Wills who's on Nitro Circus and does yeah. all these flips in the right, he wheelchair. Did, he's he's, he's nuts. Yeah. I had him build me one because I'm like, I'm missing out on so much life because my pride isn't allowing me to get in this just because I feel like I'm I'm quitting when I get in the wheelchair. But it's like in reality, I'm missing out on so much more than what my pride like you just kind of let the pride go. It's like right. the pride and the dignity is like you can have it in some situations, but I'm not going to let it kind of hold me back anymore. Yeah. No, I love that because sometimes our pride can get in our way. A lot of times the pride can get yeah. in the way of doing Big time. of really like our mind is like, I have pride there. That's the blocker to prevent me from doing stuff. I don't want to do. And then when you take that 30,000 foot view, you're like, actually my pride is making me like is, is holding me back from doing the things that I really want to do yeah. just from maybe what some people think or like my mom calls it the committee called they. Like, oh, yeah, like this new committee called they. You know, what do they think? Who, who the heck cares what they think, you know? And it's like, what do you want to do? And like, personally, I think anything you do is unbelievable. But then, you know, even like, it's pretty cool. Like, we can talk about wheels for a second is what he's been able to do is incredible for, you know, being paralyzed and what the crazy stuff that he does. Yeah, so he, it, he had spina bifida. So he was born with deformed oh, that's legs, right, that's right. Yeah, legs yeah, yeah, yeah. and he can walk with canes like he came over to the house one time and he was walking with my canes and he can't walk very good at all and so he's sitting there struggling on i can't fit in his wheelchair because he's got such little hips and i was just kind of messing around with him but he's his whole perspective instead of he's not in the wheelchair he's riding his wheelchair right and so yet again it comes back to your perspective and he's he hasn't let that slow him down at all he's still gnarlier than majority of people with legs like he's still hitting well, i would never do half the lamp. stuff that he would no no no. i wouldn't <laughs> i would not do i don't think i would ride on the back of a motorcycle <laughs> of someone like travis pastrana could not put me on the back of a motorcycle with him doing the stuff that he does the wheels does yeah. like there's no way like when he no. does those massive jumps and he will wipe out whip whip back up and like no i'm not gonna stop like i, I think it was one time he's down in australia during one of the nitro circus world tours yeah and he had a pretty pretty gnarly wipeout and he just got right back up and did it again and landed his trick i'm like dude you're he smacks his head a lot oh I, yeah because because if you over rotate the back flip you go straight to your head yeah and so yeah he i mean he's a prime example of you just live life like yeah. you aren't gonna let it stop but 
like that whole nitro circus stuff started literally so i broke it in 08 and it started up like oh or 07 and then it started up like in 08 and so i missed that and they they wanted me to come flip um a razor in it and i was like eh, i don't know like I, I actually went back to travis's and flipped into his foam pit on a bike in like 2014 and we get back there and all the nitro crews there like the gnarliest people in the world right and they throw me on a motorcycle we duct tape my left foot to the peg and hold my right foot out they hurry and start the bike tape my right foot to the peg i think i saw this video pour water on it and then i go and travis like oh just hit the ramp first gear he's like just kind of coast just kind of just put to the bottom and then just let her eat as soon as you hit the ramp and i've never been so scared in my life like that was one of the scariest things i have ever done because i never cared to jump before i even broke my back <clears throat> like i always did desert racing like i like going fast right and so the fact that i was flipping after i broke my back was kind of strange in and of itself but right. i went and i just did what he said and i went up and came down and basically came down upside down the yeah. first one and so they pulled me out and the duct tape had come off and my uncle's like he's like oh you're good do it again and i was like we gotta tape my feet he's like no you'll be fine like they aren't gonna come off and so i go and the bike goes upside down and i just am supermanning underneath it and it just comes straight down on me again and then we uh got big old industrial zinc industrial strength zip ties and zip tied my foot and then start and then hurry and zip tied my other foot and then i finally got it around after a couple times and nice but it was it was a lot of fun but i think i was, yeah. i think i've seen a video of you when they when they the, the duct tape sounds familiar you duct taking yeah. your legs it was it was fun though but like and i've still got a motorcycle set up that i can ride but i just don't ride because it more so pisses me off because i can't go fast right so that's where the side-by-sides entered and the utvs because I was able to drive those and the first driving stick that I made me and my grandpa broke a um, pop-up tent we took a leg that was broken and duct taped a water bottle on the end of it so I had more surface area and then just kind of bent a handle and then duct taped that and that was my driving stick for like four or five years really yeah and wow. it was uh, I told people I got three options I'm either hitting the gas the brake or the floor so if you're here pounding that means I'm missing the good right. option so hold on <laughs> That's awesome, man. And you've been able to do some amazing stuff with the UTV. I mean, talk talk about this jump, man. That's just bizarre. I mean, the world record for the longest UTV jump, that's yeah. pretty nuts. So I actually did one in Mesquite in 2013. I jumped 105 feet. And Aaron Wills was actually in the side-by-side -side with me. He didn't know he was going in, but I did a test run, come down. And I was like, get in. And so we threw him in, and then we almost – we were turning around up on this little plateau and I almost went off the edge cause I missed the break. And so came back and I jumped like 105 feet. Wow. And then in 2015, I got a call from my uncle and he's like, Hey, would you want to jump and do another record jump? Cause it had been beaten since then and jump in Butte, Montana for evil Knievel days. And I'm like, Oh, I'll think about it. And like two days later I get a text from evil Knievel's daughter and she's like, we're still soaked to have you come out and jump. And I was like, well, I guess I'm jumping. <laughs> I guess uncle told him. Yeah. I guess he and, told everybody we're going. And so I ended up doing jumping 202 feet there. And then in 2019, wow, that's um, with the diesel brothers, they were doing a live show out for Memorial day out in Wendover. And they asked me like, would you want to jump? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's try it. Yeah. And so it all came together and, I got the razor back from them within like a week before the jump 
and I did a couple test jumps out of a shop because we filmed a lot of Nitro Circus stuff there. And if you've ever seen it, they did the bus jump and the semi yep. jump. So the bus jump made it, and it's like a 120-foot gap, and then it was uh, like a 15-foot takeoff, 15-foot landing. And the funny thing is my dad actually jumped out in a semi-truck and didn't go fast enough, and his back axles hit, and then he front-flipped the truck and landed. And oh, it wow. blew the cab apart, but he was okay because he's in a, cat, in a little shell. But right. So we've got history out there, and so we already had this jump there. So I jumped it. And I did it like two or three times. And it, the first one's always the scariest because you aren't sure on the speed of right. how fast to go. So you just hope that you're close. <laughs> right. And so I hit it about 75 miles an hour and I ended up going like right around 200. And I was like, well, I didn't crash. So that's good. So I did it again just to try to see, kind of fill the machine out. And um, the back end kicked over and it bounced and then kicked up onto two wheels. And I almost rolled it. And I was like, oh, I'm probably good because I don't want to roll this before we go out and jump. Right. And so... Uh, but the transmission was slipping. Something didn't feel right. So I actually had Polaris sending another uh, transmission, and it was going to get here Thursday or Friday, and I was supposed to jump on Monday. And so we pull the transmission out, and I'm like, well, we, since we've got the transmission out, let's do the suspension. And I didn't know anyone that did suspension, so I called a buddy, and I was like, do you know anybody? He's like, I met this guy at an expo, and he seemed like he knew. So I called this guy up, just cold calling. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be doing a record jump. Like, do you? Do you think you could tune these shocks? He's like, yeah. So I took him off, took him down, and he had him done overnight. And we put him back on, and I jumped off the loading dock because that's the only thing. Because we had so much rain that year that everything was muddy. So I wasn't able to go do the jumps again. So I was like, like I mean, they feel good jumping off a loading dock, so right. <laughs> we should be okay. So we get the transmission in, the shocks on, and get out to there. And every time we we're going to do a practice jump, it would rain, and and the wind would just howl. And so luckily the monster truck guys, they had these big tarps that we could throw on the on the jumps so that my takeoff and the landing was dry-ish. Right. And so I had one practice jump on Sunday and I hit it about eight, I was figuring 78 miles an hour because it was a 150 foot gap. And I figured that'd put me right around the 200 mark. And so I got up to 80 and I just kind of held it. I was like, yeah, oh, this feels good. And so I jumped and landed and I, flew perfect but i came down and kind of broke a shock uh, mount and so we we're like uh at least we know we can clear it for the show right and so then the next day we had 30 mile an hour 30 mile an hour gusts of wind out there like just and i jumped in 15 i'm like 15's tops like i start blowing sideways right and so it's my turn I'm sitting down at the start of the runway and they're like, just give them a, like it was blowing so hard, like give them a tease. So I go down and I'm driving up and I start to hit the brake and I miss the pedal and I hit the top of the shaft and I'm pushing as hard as I could and I'm barely stopping. And I stop right as my wheels are about to go over the top of the takeoff. Oh geez. And I was like, oh shoot. So I back up, flip around and go back and I'm just waiting there. And my uncle's got the safety guy on the phone and then the producer. And all of a sudden within like, couple minutes of my time being up the wind dies down and the flag on the takeoff drops and all of a sudden he's like go 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 i'm like go to the stage or hit the jump like hit the jump it's yours so i just kind of close my visor and take off and about halfway down the runway the flag's sticking straight sideways again and i was just like about pulled off and i was like i hope this roll cage holds up and just got up to about 86 miles an hour and hit it and i jumped in the back end of the razor kicked over to the left and i landed as far sideways as you want to land and I landed flat, but I landed 
and then it kind of bounced back a little bit, but we set the rebounds super slow that I wouldn't bounce and pogo stick. And right. I dropped the stick midair because I was like, I got to have two hands on this wheel because this is going to get Western. And I just kind of tried to hold the steering wheel straight and ended up landing it. And Dude, that's was, crazy. Uh, 247 well feet. 247 so feet. You went back. that six miles an hour, seven miles or eight miles an hour got you that much further. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. And the record was 230 or 223 feet. So I beat it by a lot. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. So I was stoked. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. So how did you guys get into all of this action sports jumping stuff? Nitro circus. You're, I mean, your dad jumping it's, semis. Like, was this just be like, oh yeah, that's just, this is what we do. So my Godfrey's. uncle Greg started it, started filming in the nineties. And then he got and him and Travis connected. And in like the early two thousands, um, they started filming and then nitro circus came around like 2004, 2005. And then it just kind of blew up from there. And so we've been around it our whole lives. Like we were always going to the film shoots or going and watching stuff. And so it, we just kind of just grew up with it. It. Yeah. That's like cool. it's just normal for us. That's awesome. Kind of like, you know, someone playing junior jazz basketball, it's yeah. just you guys jumping stuff. That's what we did. And anything and everything, buses, semis. I think I've seen yeah, you guys do some crazy motorhome stuff out there. I mean, it's been, yeah, we've had a lot of fun with it and it was like that. It was so much fun to do. Like I, I still get scared of jumping. Like it's just natural, but I know that I've got the capability to do it. So I'm like, eh, I don't get as scared. Right. But like people are like, I feel so comfortable riding with you. I'm like, I don't know why you're comfortable. I'm driving with a flipping stick and I got one hand on the wheel. Like right. I even scare myself sometimes, but right. I've, I'm decent. And it almost seems like all that stuff that you've been able to do overcome or, you know, do hard things. I mean, you, I would argue that you have done a lot of hard things where you've had to put your mind to it, where it's a lot of scary things, kind of life and death things, jumping, doing a lot of, I mean, even racing in itself is super dangerous. Yeah. I mean, you could almost argue that that that's kind of helped you through what you're going through, you know, for the last, you know, your accident to now is that you like, you've done the hard things you've jumped like a lot. You've done, you yeah. know, I, I don't know all the, you know, nitro circus, all that stuff is kind of crazy and all the things yeah. you've done, but like, it's like, yeah, like I've done that. Like, so it's almost like an expectation that I'm going to overcome and, and yeah. I'm going to walk again and I'm going to do all these things. And, live a fulfilled life it's not even in my mind that i can't do it because you can't have doubt like when you're going up to that ramp you doubt yourself for one second it's over yeah there's no hesitation you're once you commit you're full commit like you just go and so that's kind of it's kind of how life is it's like the when you kind of sit there and like oh, i don't know just kind of put your foot in just to see it's like that's when things go wrong like if you're gonna do something you just gotta go and right and that's when things have the best potential to work out better and like even like I, I didn't, I didn't know what my life would be like after I broke my back. Cause I, in my mind, I didn't think that I would be like, I didn't think that I was what a man should be. Cause I couldn't do the physical stuff. I couldn't go help people move stuff or like all my life. I've, um, my dad was in scouts. He was a scout master. And so we'd always grown up going and doing service, going and helping people going and, and doing those types of things. So when I wasn't able to do that, I was just like, man, I just feel incomplete. Like I can't do this. And so then it came into my mind, like, I don't even think that I'd be able to get married. Like I'm not the type of a man that somebody would want to marry. And so like, that's the stuff that kind of starts to eat you more than anything. Like right. the physical stuff's easy. Like even being paralyzed isn't that bad. Right. Like even it, the bowels and the, the bladder, like 
those things change. Like you have to use a catheter. And like, I got lucky enough to where I was able to take a leak on my own. And I can't tell you how many people would just be stoked just to be able to do that. So like, right. it comes back to the little things, but like, I, I didn't think that I would be like, anyone would want to marry me because I'm, I'm a broken person. And so that kind of really aided me. But then I met my wife in 2017 and um she kind of showed me that i was wrong and and who am i to say what somebody can't right will love and won't love like all i can do is be me and and so i got very lucky to to have her um eventually we got married in 2019 after the jump in october or september but like I didn't think that would ever happen to me. And then we just had a little girl in October and I'd never thought that I'd have a kid. And it's been the coolest thing ever. Like that's I got awesome. a little girl. Hey, you got a designated lap to sit on if you're rolling yeah. around or anything. Like that's, that's awesome, man. And that's really cool. Cause I, you know, I've been looking at your social media and stuff. You guys look amazing together, beautiful family. Oh, thanks. And it's, it's awesome when you've been able to do if, if you would, would you tell your 18 year old self waking up into that hospital, anything different? Like if you could go back and, and talk to that 18 year old self, what would you say? It all work out. Yeah. Like it's just don't quit. Like it's really, I mean, I, I did therapy every day for 10 years. And then I'd go to the gym too. Wow. And I'd get burnt out of times and I'd take a couple months off per se. Like right as I'd almost get to some, like I feel like I'd peak out and then I'd just get burnt out. And then I'd just, I'd still went to the gym, but I'd stop therapy. And like, if I could go back, I'd just say, don't stop. Like just keep going. But there's so many paths that you don't know where your life would have been had it gone a different way. And it's like, even with me breaking my back, I've had so many things I've met so many people. I wouldn't be here doing this had I not broke my back. Like I've had so many opportunities that never would have come had I not. And so, yeah, as much as it sucks not be able to do a lot of things, like it's also led me to where I am today. And and I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my little girl. And like it's so I'm I'm grateful for it happening because it's I've got to do so many things and meet so many people. And it I uh and. 2021 like september i started getting a really bad headache and after a month it just got to where i was popping ibuprofen every six hours religiously wow and i went in for an mri and they found a little a little thing behind my eye and so like we need to get you into a specialist so i went into this specialist and they um they're like oh yeah you've got a, a growth of sort we aren't sure what it is but we want to take a biopsy and we ended up going to Mexico. They called me like, Hey, you need to come in for a biopsy tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm in Mexico. I'm not going to make it. And so like, Hey, well next week you need to come in. And then I go in next week and like, actually it's a good thing we didn't take the biopsy because it's actually grown into your, um, into your brain cavity. And we're going to have to get a neurosurgeon and an eye surgeon to take this thing out. And that wow. was in, um, the middle of November and they scheduled surgery for December 23rd. And this, this lesson that I learned from this is I, I didn't know with how fast it grew, they were super concerned that it was going to be bad, like a bad cancer. And so 
we had a my wife had a friend that had a brain surgery he had a tumor in his head and ended up dying on the operating table and so all this starts setting in and I'm like if I've only got a couple of weeks to live what am I going to do like so I started spending time eating lunch with my wife and and just spending time with people that I love and people that I enjoy because I didn't know how much more time I had on this earth like right. that's and it really hit me like holy cow and so I but I also came in with the mindset that if my body created this it can also destroy it so I cut out all preservative food i i basically was eating berries is all i ate because i was like these are the superfoods and if i'm able to put in the good stuff to my body then my body's going to be able to kill this right and i would meditate every day i'd put on meditation music and just lay there and visualize just it shrinking just grabbing it and just like squeezing it and just shrinking this mass of whatever it was and we went in to get an MRI the 22nd of December and they lined me up. They put these dots in my head so that they could make sure that they got the right spots to where to cut and everything. And we were sitting in the hospital December 23rd waiting to get checked in and the results came back. And I looked at the thing and it says um, the tumor had shrunk. Wow. And I just looked at my wife and I'm just like, that's what we did. Like, that's the power. That's amazing. Like between... Between me eating right, me meditating and just like doing all that I could. And then I had a lot of prayers being sent up for me. Like that's when miracles happen is when you've exhausted all these resources and you've, you've exhausted what you can. That's when miracles can happen. Right. And so I was, I was stoked, but I went in and they ended up cutting me from right, right here in my all the way up to the top of my head and they peeled my head back or my scalp and then they cut my temple muscle off, cut my temple out and then went in there and sliced all the bad bone and all the goop in there and put titanium in there and then threw the skull back on, stitched me up. And well, you can't even tell that anything ever happened to you. So I that's know. amazing. When I cut my hair, it looks like, cause I usually have my wife cut my hair right. and when she does, it looks like she did a bad cut just cause it's a, just a little line. Oh, like, yeah. so yeah, it's, I mean, I can't tell right now. I know. And even, yeah, like nothing looks any different. No, I mean, I look like, my wife said I look like slaw from the Goonies at first because my head got real swollen and it was yeah. all deformed. But like like that thing right there just, and it, I mean, it ended up coming back that it wasn't cancerous. They thought it was an autoimmune d- disease, but all my blood work came back. Like I, I was supposed to hear back from a specialist and I never heard back from him, but I was able to just kind of, read over the stuff right and compare my levels and everything looked good and i'm like my guess is good no word is good word right right that's amazing i mean you've had some pretty wild things happen to you and it's awesome what or to hear what your mind can do like if there's people listening to this right now it's like your mind can literally heal you and kill you i mean it yeah. is such a powerful thing um you know there's stories of in very you know older times you know, I, don't, I don't know they're ancient times but older times where they would torture people with like thinking that they're cutting their wrists with just cold ice water yeah because it, it was just that feeling and they would literally die like it's just it's crazy to to read these stories in these books of how powerful your mind is and it but it all starts with that decision decision that's made and then following through with that decision with a burning desire to go all in on whatever you know you made oh, yeah. and you did i mean you everything that's come 
you know, at least, you know, from this, from this podcast, everything that's kind of come out, you, you, you've went after it. Like you've played the offense. Like you're not just trying to be like, Oh, it's going to be okay. And we'll just figure it out. And like, no, you're going to attack it and attack it head on. And you're going to like do everything you possibly can to overcome. And then you have this, you know, tumor in your eye, um, or, you know, in your brain, in your head. I mean, and then Up you're like, there. yeah, yeah. And you're just like, oh, whatever, man. We'll, we'll you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll fight it. A lot of people would be like, oh man, like another thing, poor me. Another thing, not only am I, you know, had had my accident and my leg can't really walk too well and my legs this, my legs that and this and that and the other. And then I have this going on and it's like, well, whatever. And it's, it's just amazing. Cause I talk about a lot on the show and to a lot of people about how powerful your mind is. And it just comes down to a decision and like a defining moment in your life to d- make that decision to yeah. either you can be great or be nothing literally. Yeah. And you can choose to how you outlook on the life. Like, you know, does, is it a hundred percent successful hundred percent of the time where, you know, maybe not, but at least you can control what you can control. And that's how you look at things in your attitude. Yeah. You can't control, like you said, your time is your time. Whenever it's your time, it's your time. Like, you know, our, our creator got, he, that's, that's up to him, Yeah. but we can control how we, we react to things, how we deal with people, how we treat people. You know, this is great for culture camp because, you know, this podcast is all about culture and all about people and relationships. And, but a lot of it has to do with that defining moment, that decision to, to do that. Like I talk with a lot of businesses, it's your decision, how you want to create your culture. It's your decision, how you want to deal with people. And even in person, like people's relationships, it's your decision. Like you, it's, it's hundred percent up to you. And which I, I like that. Like I, like you, you know, I didn't do wrestling, but I did like bodybuilding for yeah. a little while. And, and that's I, hard. And yeah. I like that because that's it's, it's a hundred percent up to you. Right. Yeah. Like I had coaches, you know, I nutritionists, workout coaches, posing coaches. I had everybody. And, but it is a hundred percent to me, whether I eat that or don't eat that, whether I work out or don't work out, whether I do the cardio or don't do the cardio, it's a hundred percent to me. And, you know, not that I'm talking bad about team sports because a lot, there's a lot of that into it, but it's, it's a hundred percent to me. Right. And I kind of look at life a lot like that. Like if, if my mom's saying, if it is to be, it's up to me and I not, I want, I do want to rely on other people, but it's going to take the action from me to get them kind of moving. Right. Like, you know, to, to create that, that process. So I love, I love your story, man. I mean, it's a great story of overcoming. It's a great story of just how powerful the mind can be and a positive outlook on life. It's yeah, incredible. Thanks. It's like, it's your life is, is what you make it and it's going to happen to you no matter what, like bad things are going to happen. It's inevitable, but how you react to those bad things is what is going to make your life either go good or go bad. Like we said, the victimhood mentality. I wish people could just realize how powerful they can be if they just Get rid of that instead of saying, why me? And then just say, try me. Like, I know that whatever is thrown my way, I can do. Like, especially like any physical thing where I've got to overcome something, I know I can do it because I know what I'm capable of. And obviously I've had um, these things happen to me that I've proven myself that I can overcome. And so like, I might be a little, like the mental toughness, like since I already know that I'm capable of it, I don't question when that happens. But if you've never done something hard, then you're you don't have that mental fortitude. So right. then you quit as soon as hard you have that doubt. comes. And so yeah. yeah, and once doubt gets in there, that's when the real demons start to come. And it's not that I 
don't struggle. I struggle. Like I said, we're all human. We all have our hard things. Right. Where mine's physical, some people can be mental. Some people can be emotional. It's like nobody knows what someone's truly going through. It's like all we can do is be good people. Right. Like if we were, if you just treat people how you want to be treated, this world would be a different place. Right. And just, I just, I just wish people could realize how powerful they can be if they just put their mind. I love, I love that. If there's one saying you could tell somebody, you know, one thing, if they're, if they're struggling with something like, you know, they're, they might have something happened to them. They're going through a situation or just, just going through a, a, you know, trauma or a tribulation in their life, trials, whatever, what would be, what would be like your go-to, like, what would you tell them? One thing I always said was give her hell. That's just <laughs> sometimes all you have to do. But I, I was thinking the other day, like, I, if, if you feel like you're going through something, chances are somebody else has gone through what you're going through. And if nobody's done what you've done, then you get to be the first one to do it. Right. So it's like, no matter what you're doing, you can either see the path that's already been taken that worked or make your own path and show others what can be done. So right. It's like straight up the mountain. Like I thought about that the other day. It's like sometimes instead of going around the mountain or through the mountains, like just go straight up the mountain. Cause that's where you learn the most about yourself is through those hard trials. Right. No, it's so true. Cause um, you know, you in usually in the, in the good times is when you get lazy, yep. you know, it's just yeah, like, especially in, in like our, you know, my business specifically, COVID was very good for us, and we we definitely got lazy. Yeah. And now, you know, everything's kind of correcting, and it's it's very hard now. Yeah. Um, but we're learning a lot, and we're learning a lot about ourselves, our company, you know, our processes, everything. And it's that's when you grow. It's just like you you know a muscle. Yeah. If you're sitting here and just curl air, I mean, maybe something might happen. I don't really know. But once you start to put some stress on that, that's when the real growth starts to happen, and some some weight to that. And you can look at life like that of when when. It's it's but then again, like you said earlier and like throughout this whole podcast, it's how you react to that. You can react the hard times can definitely cause you to spiral into the wrong direction. It's when you have those hard times and those trials and tribulations and things happening or or if things aren't working out like you thought they were, it's how you react to those and overcome. And my mom my mom always used to say, like, fear is face everything and rise. Yeah. It's not fear. Yeah. And it's face everything and rise. And it's it's so true because it's yeah, I mean, we some of my happy have a little fear, but it's like boom, hit it head on. Like you said, go up the mountain. Think, I love that. Like even think about fear. Like fear is all in our perception, right? Like like babies don't have fear because they don't, they haven't learned fear. Like fear is a learned thing, right? And so if we allow ourselves to realize that, like, and I guess with with everything that I've done, I've had a lot of fear that I've overcome, but that's all it takes is just doing it. And like you, you don't take uncalculated risks. Like there's a difference between doing something like the jump. Some look at it as very foolish or very dumb, but it's like, it's a calculated risk that I'm taking. It's like, I know everything that's in my control. And then there's the stuff that out of it, but the good stuff outweighs the bad. So even with this jump that I'm doing, I'm still in control as much as I can be. So it's, so it's, Fear is just, if you can overcome it and realize that that's all it is, is what it is in your head. And then you can take that and then figure out the ways to do it. Like fear makes you emotional, which makes you think irrational. 
And when you're thinking irrational, then everything's going to fall apart. So it's like if you can keep your mind focused and be steady under pressure of that fear, then that's when you can truly start to change yourself. Right. I love that. It's just overcome the fear and then you can move up to that next level of your life. And I mean, that's all life is, is continually learning from what not to do and what to do. And some people have to touch the fire to see it's hot. And others are like, I don't want to touch that fire because I watched what he just did and that didn't feel good. So I'm not going to do that. So, right. Yeah. It's learning, (laughs) learning from the mistakes. I mean, it's plan, do check and adjust. And it's, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. If you, you know, if you're listening to this and you're having problems with fear, I mean, definitely go back and listen to not only this old podcast, but the last two minutes. I mean, that was awesome. And Tanner, I just appreciate you being on, on the show. Um, means a lot for you coming out here. I love your story. Um, just enjoy what you're enjoy your content, what you're doing. Where, where can people find you out on social work? I mean, you're real active on Instagram. Yeah. Just Instagram is really what I want the most is just T Godfrey one five five. And yet like my whole message is just to show people how good life can be and just enjoy it because we don't, you don't want to wait for the bad to happen. You just enjoy life. Smile. Like life is so fragile. It's so beautiful. And we're too focused on the bad that sometimes we don't enjoy the good. Like even, even during a bad situation, you can still smile and laugh. Like that situation is going to happen whether you like it or not. Right. And so all you can do is put a smile on and just kind of enjoy the process. You don't have to enjoy it, I guess, but just know that that storm is going to run out of rain and then the sun's going to come. I, like dude, it doesn't I, last forever. I love that saying the storm's going to run out of rain. Sun's going to come. I, I love that. I mean, it's so true. I mean, what happens after every hurricane sunshine? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so true. And then you rebuild. Exactly. <laughs> One thing, last thing I want to ask you is what does success mean to you? It's a deep question for me. Success for me, I feel the most is, I mean, just being a good person and being good to those around you. Cause you can have all the success in the world, but if, if deep down you don't feel good about what you've done, then you haven't done anything. Right. Like I, I, I put more weight, like even with my injury, when there's been the dark times, like when I, it's like, I don't even want to go on. Like I didn't go through with anything because this is bigger than just me. Like with me succeeding, I inspire other people to push through. Right. So if I'm able to keep going and be successful, then that will inspire somebody else who's going through a similar similar situation or somebody that's just struggling to be like, I can push through if he can push through. Right. Like that's what success for me is, is, is raising, raising everybody else up. That, that, I love that. It's almost like a, almost like a self, like a duty for you. Yeah. Like you have to do it. If you make it bigger than yourself, then you'll be willing to do more than you would for yourself. It's amazing. Tanner, thank you so much for being on the show. It means the world to me. I mean, it's been been a blast. I mean, this is an amazing story of overcoming. If you like the show, please share it. Rate us. Um, hit up Tanner on Instagram. He's got an amazing, you know, Instagram content. Everything with his family and beautiful daughter. I mean, it's just really cool to to see him on there. And yeah, I mean, listen to this. Share it with someone that that uh, that needs this message of overcoming. So Tanner, thank you. Thanks.